Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Zoobox Goes to the Movie. This is kind of a special, a special episode. We're going to be doing this on the fly. We're going to be watching live clips as we talk about the film. This is a suburb request from Lumazuma, who drops by on our Zoobox live uh, live streams often and has always thoughtful, interesting conversation. And they suggested that we do a live stream about Stalker. And in lieu of doing that, we're just going to do uh, an episode. So Luma, I hope you see this and thank you for the request. We always appreciate audience interaction and anybody out there. If you have a specific request, you want to see Dan and I do something, you want to see Prophet and I do something or uh, Big Paul do something or anybody else or Mike. He's been on uh, Zoobox, goes to the movies a few times himself. Uh, just drop it in the comments and we're more than happy to accommodate, especially when it comes to some fucking high art, baby. This is uh, we're talking today about 1979 Stalker. The film was directed by Andre Tarkovsky, written by uh, Tarkovsky and the Stugatsky brothers. It's based on a novel called Roadside Picnic. Uh, it stars a bunch of Russian people. I'm not going to try to butcher their names. <laughs> Show respect. And uh, we're going to start off uh, with the trailer. So if anybody at home is not familiar with the movie, maybe it'll intrigue you. You can stop the video, go watch the movie, and then come back. Because this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion. We are holding nothing back. Going to get into the themes, stories about how it was made, etc. So, uh, let, yeah, let's start with the trailer. Yo, I cut out the trailer because there was nothing that you would get from it on this audio version. Maybe you should go over to the YouTube page. Maybe you should go over to the YouTube page there, fella. Lady. Enjoy the rest of the show. That's a provocative trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that that trailer captures the spirit of the movie? Because I was watching some other trailers and they were just like, uh, really kind of sell you a different movie. Because how do you sell a movie like this? You know what I mean? Like, how do you even advertise something like this? How do you get across, like, the experience of watching Stalker, you know? I, I haven't watched any other trailers, so I can't comment um, on that. That trailer doesn't even... <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, on a, I mean, it, I don't know. Like, if you, I'll take your word for it, though. If you think this... Does this... I think I think this one is is the best one I have seen because the other ones lean much more heavily on like the literal story, on like yeah. they're we're going to the zone, we you, it's an unpredictable place. Like it makes it seem much more like a like a James Cameron movie. Like you're gonna watch like the Terminator or like a <laughs> or fucking. Um, but even there, they show some enough to make you think that. And even my opinion, just watching it now, I was going. Uh, they're kind of making it seem different than what it is. I mean, okay, what we're seeing in this particular trailer, and I haven't seen the others, but the themes that you are subjected to in this movie, I don't think are there. I think they're showing no. the conflict, yeah. uh, the, the drama, right? That's it, what a trailer would, would, want, would do. Yeah, it, so. it, but I thought it gives a sense of the tone of the film. The, the tone, uh, yes. But I, I I could say the tone wise, but God, man, I don't know if anyone. I, I well, let me let me ask you just right off the bat, man, because this this is probably the third time I've watched it all the way through, and then I watched like half of it this morning. Uh, this is your first time ever watching it. I was I'm very curious what you like your experience was watching it, and if you even would like it. It's it's beautiful. Like there, that's like, I remember like right when you, te you, uh, you texted me right when I basically started, I was about 20 minutes in. I'm like, this is beautiful. It yeah. is beautiful. 
Um, man, that is, I did it. It it's not even. The movie is two hour and forty two hours and forty minutes. So first off, yeah, it's very slow. It's very grindy, but intentional, obviously. Uh, I just found myself constantly thinking, why, like trying to put the puzzle together. As I'm watching it, I'm like, what the fuck? But then after, and this is this is how you know it's great cinema or great art, period. I kept going back to it in my head. That is the real trick of this movie, in my opinion. Um, you just, it's kind of like the first time you watch Inception or, or Tenet. Like, it leaves you wanting to discover and, and like, think about it. And I just got this unsettling view watching the movie of like this, all these religious themes kept popping up as I was watching it, which I think is intentional. I mean, there are some subtle ones and some that aren't so subtle, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I'd say I loved it, uh, but it was a slow love. It was a nurturing love. The, the story doesn't give you everything right. Like, you know, like a, uh, like, uh, you know, like when you're trying to fatten up a goose and they just stick it down your gullet and they just yeah, and it just not, pump full it's, fat. It's, it's not attempting to explain itself to you, uh, but I do think if you were if you were to revisit it and you were paying close attention, it's there. You just have to do a little legwork yourself. To me, like the parallel is like reading, uh, say, like it's because this it's like a philosophy tone tone piece to me, mm-hmm. like in in terms of its themes mm-hmm. and what it's kind of exploring. It's like reading philosophy. It's work. Yeah. It's like school. But the joy of it is knowing it. And then what comes mm-hmm. afterwards, it's the reflection. It's how you sit and just think about it. You think about these concepts and these ideas. And that's I have a very similar experience because I'm a big fan of philosophy. But I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say I love reading philosophy. Philosophy yeah. is it's, it's school. It's work. It's, it can be a real drag sometimes. Granted, there's some writers that are better than others. But. Uh, the joy of it is the knowledge that you get from it. It's it's the broad view. It's and then being able to think about it. And I think, I mean, in terms of a cinematic experience, I mean, this is capital C cinema. This is capital A art. Yeah. In, in all of its pretentious permutations, you want to feel like that's pretentious. It is. I I, I but wouldn't not, say, I don't, I don't feel but like not, it's pretentious. No, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean a negative thing. Yeah. It's very confident filmmaking. And it's a cinematic what? experience. It's not so like you couldn't read the script of Stalker and probably get really much out of it, right? Like, because it, it would just be philosophical ponderings. But the, well, I mean, that that's really what the movie shows to me is it's three different ideological perspectives. Yeah, it's archetypes. Clashing. They're, they're archetypes. It's literally yeah. the intelligentsia, the the professor. Yeah. And then the writer, the artist, the and mocking, then, and like, well, not and, not just to mention the the writer. The writer is like the uh, believes himself to be smarter than the scientists and smarter than the stalker, and he mocks the stalker and mocks the scientist for believing in like f- almost like a fantasy of what science. Like he's like yeah, there's a scene where they're laying down because they do this all the time. <laughs> this yeah. movie getting very close to the earth, and he's the s- professor's trying to go to sleep, and he's like, "You think you're such like a." a titan of intellect and this and that. And he's like, but you're nothing more than just like a weak, like squabbling. And the guy's like, I don't want to hear this. Like, you know, <laughs> like I don't. And, and, and then, cause I don't want to get too deep into it, but I, I've noticed that like the, 
the writer is the uh, non-believer. Like there is a like I am questioning authority. Yes. You know, like questioning the belief like of this constantly in the movie. He's always the one that wants to go his own way or will go first or whatever. He's the he's the risk taker. He likes to he likes to go do things on his own terms. Well, that's and, and, where that, and that's the, where like that's the archetype of the artist, right? Which well, well, I think this really this movie comes down to lack of faith and arrogance because the professor does the same thing when he has to go back for his backpack. Yeah. So the professor plays this. I what is in this? And and obviously, you know, now it makes way more sense as to why he had to go back for the backpack and coming to the end of the film. Uh, you know, he had a twenty kiloton bomb. And he believed that as a scientist, this the faith of this existence of this particular room that could be used by all benevolent and awful people or malevolent, right? Whatever. Well, could you use Either by both? It could be both. benevolent people or, or malevolent. Yeah. And his job as the scientist was to eliminate it, was to take that away from everybody. Yeah, because, faith, because you can't trust people with hope. Like, I guess, like, to broaden it out before we get, like, that specific – Sure. Let's. Uh, I just want to say the stalker. I think is supposed to represent kind of the working class, the everyman, the servant. Uh, he has a hard time. He actually dreams in sepia tone, which means he can't ever get his mind out of that authoritarian. Because I think there's parallels to the kind of living under a communist regime Russia, and Russia sure. and etc. Um, and then, but what do you think the zone represents? Like metaphorically, like because so they go from the CPU, the movie starts in sepia tone and washed out colors, and then once they get into the zone, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like I, I had a completely different opinion of the stalker. Okay. Like an immediate, and, and it wasn't immediate. This was more on, on upon reflection afterwards. Uh, the stalker is more like Christ, uh, guiding these two lost souls through these uh, like winding see. turns. I, I, you may be right, but I'm just saying in, in my interpretation, the Christ like of or at least the individual trying to lead people to Christ, trying to lead them to faith. Uh, and there's a particular scene. There's a few times where the camera is panning over a stream or I think the floor of the room in certain points. Like you can it's just like this long drawn out and you see an image of Christ. But right before that, it's the 30 pieces like they're silver. Mm-hmm. So like the, it represents that thirty pieces of silver that Judas, you know, paid, which is also uh, emblematic of the professor paying him to go to the stalker's own self destruction. Yeah, I, you know, I, I and can, I can buy that. Yeah, like that's where I kind of fell on the stalker. Well, the, the thing with the stalker, is he's an interesting thing because I think part of like the broad, one of the broad kind of thematic elements of the movie. It's this idea of a little bit of uh, what does it mean to have your identity? Like what gives you purpose in life and what, and does, is that purpose a good thing or a bad thing? Cause I feel like a lot of what the stalker says is to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So they make mention about the zone and they and and they make little, there's little hints that the zone is actually supernatural and that there's a metaphysical quality to it. It's only a few times, but they they do show a few things like 
Uh, what sticks out of my mind the most is when they're in the dunes, the sand dunes, and then mm. the bird just disappears, and then it comes back and just disappears again, and then it lands. Like it's showing you that reality is not uh, fine. It's not like tan. It's not a tangible thing like you experience like back home on the sepia tone world. So is the stalker actually manifesting his own reality in the zone to justify his existence and his job? Well, I mean, they even question him. That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Because he, he puts yeah. all these ideas about what the zone is in their head, how dangerous it is, the traps, all right. this stuff. Even though we never see any of that, they just like Which they get I scared kept, of the, they get scared because the idea is inside of them. So they get I, they get become afraid. I, I kept getting the feeling watching this uh, at those points where I was going, is he doing this is just to create some sort of artificial experience for them? Like, is this all artificial? Like, he is trying to, you know, one, because they question him and his power when they're sitting outside the room and, and they're going, like, you have been making up all, all these fucking things that we've had to follow and all these rules and nothing's happened. Well, because, and that's the thing. That's that's the thing. Like, if they didn't follow the rules, would something happen? And you, they, nobody ever pushes it far enough to actually see, except I suppose you can make the argument the professor does. Because yes. the professor is the first one to go backward. It kind of breaks the spell. And then after that, that's when they have – there's a very extended sequence of them like trying to sleep. And like you had brought up before about the writer kind of antagonizing the professor. And then there's like a dream sequence. Um, here, I'll just put it on in the background while we talk. Oh, we don't have to actually like listen to it. but mm-hmm. um, And it's subtitled, so that works too. But You're yeah, going to put the film on? I'm just going to put a, just a little scene here. I'll just – oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it but that's not letting me okay whatever but yeah. so okay so there's that scene but that scene follows the professor kind of breaking out of the paradigm a little bit and then they all start questioning their roles in life and who they are and what is going on and and then there's another little hint about the manifestation quality of the zone where did the fuck does that dog come from the stalker well, they, dreams of the dog, and then the dog appears, and then he the does do- when during the, when he's laying down in the stream, or by the stream rather, and they have that dream which sequence, time? and he starts dreaming in se- sepia. He starts dreaming. Yeah, but which time? What do you mean? There's that. It, that's it's just like one long extended sequence that has but I thought that, they already- that has that conversation with the professor and the writer and then them trying to sleep and not being mm-hmm. able to sleep and let me nap. And then the, the stalker's kind of off on his own. And he's like, um, he's just kind of, he's just dreaming. He's coming in and out of sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it is the dog approaches him. Well, I mean, but he's also been there a shit ton of times. Like why would he have not seen this dog before too? Well, cause I don't think the movie is that literal. I, I just don't, I don't, I think it's like supposed to be another one of these like hat tips to like, if you believe it, like this place is what you, to me, the zone is infinite potential. It's freedom. But what does that mean? That could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing, right? Like depending on your discipline as a human being. And that's mm-hmm. the whole thing when they go to the room. Okay. What the room doesn't really grant you a wish. What the room does is it gives you the thing that you desire most, and what that is is a reflection of who you are as a person. Like so th- like uh, Porcupine when he at the at, at the yeah. he may have wanted to go to the room to get his brother back. Yes, but but he ended up with really a pile of deep, money. 
and yeah, killed his, and then killed himself because he realized how terrible of a person he was. Yeah, and that's why, which is also he, a reference the, to to Judas. Actually, yeah, for sure, and that, yeah. I think that's also um, another. That's why they don't actually go into the room. They do all that shit and they just sit at the threshold because none of them trust what they'll find in the room. They don't trust themselves enough. And they have, in a certain way, like you said, uh, it is a little bit of the destruction of the hopeful nature of the stalker. Like, you know, he wants to bring people so they can find themselves, so they can self-actualize, like metaphorically. And... And he's kind of heartbroken that nobody wants to do it. That's where I kind of get these, this Christian element. And in a sense, this Christ-like figure leading people. Like, you know, if you look at the room there in the trailer, you'll see a uh, room that is looks like a desert, basically. And it just reminds me of Christ walking through the desert, uh, which he was visited by an eagle, like, you know, at one point, or some sort of bird-like creature in the, in the form of Satan. Uh, or something to that effect, I remember. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just know that there's there's enough in this movie to say this movie's more about how the corporate entities, the government will try to prevent you, like if you look at the government not wanting them to go into the zone, which is, you know, references I imagine the 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 USSR no god no religion yeah no no hope, faith no potential the, no freedom no no self-actualization no discovery well, while not well while not being allowed to admit it out loud well these, you know because they say they make mention of it like i think it's the professor when they first go into the zone he talks about it he's like and then they secretly started guarding the zone because nobody really has they don't have a hard and fast explanation of what the zone is or how long it's existed or all of that stuff. They, it doesn't even get into that. It's just like, yeah, the, the state just doesn't want us to come in here. Well, they, he does. I thought he does say something about it, it was twenty years. Does like, they so say 20, twenty years? I might be wrong. I just I remember the stalker being like twenty years ago. This used to be with families or something. I could. Oh, be wrong. that's actually. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. I, I know he said something because, uh, I. But, I mean, it and it, it's really interesting how they film this too, um how they you're not really sure what role you're playing as the viewer sometimes oh it's awesome like, i love that the, the how the point of view of like who the you professor f- or, or who you t- you, when it, he's walking it's a great moment and they talk mm-hmm. about it uh, jeff dyer i think talks about it yeah during that little supplement on the criterion disc is that uh yeah it's a beautiful it's a push into that car with the with the corpse in it and you think and that everyone appears you think yeah. you're following the professor but you're not you're the camera, and it's it's actually telling you that you're a character. Uh, yes, like you're like you're you, supposed to partake. You have a subjective view. There is no objective mm-hmm. view of the zone. It's kind of brilliant, and it, it's really subtle. And that's why I said, like, this is fucking cinema, dog. Well, because like, I was sitting, I was sitting there because I was like, God damn, he's about to go hang out with this dead body. Like I was like, what the? Hell? And then all of a sudden he comes around. I was like, got me, dude. Like right there, like I knew, I I think I knew at that point. Um, but it, the so the question is this: If he dreams in the sepia tone or the black, which I've heard people reference it, black and white, or whatever, it is that mean everything back in the the quote unquote Russia like area, the 
is that not real? No, it is real. No, what I, I'm saying is I think what it is, it's a it's a window into his worldview, who he is as a person, why he can't or, or won't rather go into the room. He's he's a he follows rules. He's uh, he's uncomfortable with the freedom that the zone kind of offers people. Mm-hmm. And um, and he doesn't really understand it. I mean, like the stalker. Even in the way he's presented, he's he's kind of like idealistic, and he's because he's all about you know hope and potential. Especially you know once the movie gets into like the last act, and he starts kind of monologuing about why he does what he does and why he wants people, why he does what he does, and why he hopes that people find themselves in the room. But he doesn't feel like he could ever do that. He doesn't trust himself. And he feels way more comfortable in a weird way, other than the fact of breaking the law to go into the zone. Um, that's where his mind is still back there. It's still like oppressed. That's why I mean, like he's like a working class person. Like he's not part of this, like this external abstract world of the artist and the professor. Like he's not. Mm-hmm. Those guys can see beyond their circumstance. They want to go beyond their circumstance. Like honestly, the whole thing with the writer, he has writer's block. He's stuck mm-hmm. in the sepia tone. He doesn't like it, and he wants to get out of it. And the professor, what you find out is basically, which is so funny because it's like a, this funny criticism about scientific communities, intelligentsia, I suppose, kind of like what we've been talking about in Zoobox Live and stuff the past couple of weeks, is uh, it's all petty grievance. He just and hubris. Wants, he wants a Nobel Prize. He's arrogant. He There's a great scene in the movie where he calls somebody from inside the zone, like one of his coworkers. He's like, ah, you fucker. I got you. I'm fucking here. You're a coward. All this. I went into the zone. I am the explorer. I am the scientist. And the guy's like, you're just doing this. Cause I fucked your wife 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, and he kind of has nothing to say. And he's like, don't hang up on me. Don't hey. hang up on me. And he, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of chews him out for another three minutes. And then he hangs up the phone. But I, I thought the professor, well, because that obviously wasn't true, though, the Nobel Prize, because he was going to blow it up. Well, I don't think he knew what he was going to do. He didn't know if he was going to do it or not. I mean, he – well – Or maybe he sets a that's timer why he, and goes No, in the but room. that's why he calls the guy and he goes, I found it. They were trying to preserve it because that gave them access to the zone. Yeah. Like the sign – that's what I got anyway. When okay, I, that's I was pretty like, fair. Like, and he's like, I fucking found it, you fool. You thought – like blah blah, and that's why when they first get to the room, he's like, "Bunker four is very old." Well, that see, that's what it makes sense because like he is somebody as a as a scientist or as a, a professor, or whatever. He rejects, like you had said before, a kind of spirituality as the esoteric nature of the world. He doesn't. Right, and, he just doesn't yeah. believe in it, so he doesn't and, care. And he's doing it to be destructive to his his peers, I suppose, because he's kind of it's an affront to him on some level. But I well, think he wants to win a Nobel Prize by stopping this. Well, like there could be that, but I also uh, I completely think that Stalker and the Professor are most very similar. They're the they're, and they represent that very easily by the writer always being distance for the most part. Uh, you know whether he's going off on his own. Uh, you know, and the professor decides to leave, which is the only reason he did survive and the zone didn't overtake him is because he's very similar to the stalker. He can represent patterns or he can understand and contextualize the zone better maybe. So like, but you look at science much like a religion, a a set of beliefs and structures, discipline, order, dogmas, doctrines. So like, that's why 
they that he tricked the writer to go first because he would be the one he the the professor has kind of already proven his worth in the zone so when they go into the meat grinder uh in the sewer he tricks them by giving them you know the long straw uh, matchstick but like in in the writer believes because he hates authority he goes like why did you you tricked me you were trying to lead me to my death yeah so like i kind of always view i always viewed the professor and stalkers very much that's like it's like the difference between like christianity or religion versus science and how they're so similar they work on the same part of your brain yeah like the same yeah because it's about rules it's about order like you said yeah um yeah and it's a and that's kind of the like the broad strokes of the movie actually like that's what it is about in my opinion um and it's also about just like kind of the nature of of hope and what that can do for a person like you know going back to the end of the movie when you see his daughter you see his daughter's pov basically even mm. in the oppressive sepia tone world her world is in color because right. she doesn't know any better and right. and also you see that she, like it's kind of like i think in a metaphorical sense it's like oh you know the next generation is the hope for the future and to change this world and to get us out of the situation. They're special. They're going to be, they're going to, they grow up with like kind of our suffering and in their hindsight well, and they, they can learn from that. Like, and also, you know, and then they literalize it in the movie by saying stalkers basically have mutant children because the zone yeah. is irradiated and um, his daughters are cripple and stuff, but she has psychic abilities. So that's what they show you at the end of the movie. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I think it's pretty clear. Well, <laughs> no, because then the train comes and it shakes the whole table and the glass falls off. Maybe it was as vibrations of the well, train. That was a pretty she, long. <laughs> I'm just saying. You it, could add that. No, probably not. It's very appropriate in the way they filmed it because it's like a four-minute just locked-off thing. It was interesting uh, just going to like a little bit of the production stuff. I found this out actually uh, the other day while – kind of just looking into stuff about stalker apparently russian filmmakers cre- invented the montage what what like, do you mean like the cinematic the... language of, of the montage of editing montages together to like take a long period of time and then condense it into like two minutes you know yeah you know what i mean oh so like a trailer or, well, like not necessarily a trailer, but like, you've seen movies like Rocky, right? Rocky, when he does oh, his oh, workout, yeah, yeah, he does yeah, a montage, yeah, yeah. but it covers so like, probably a month. eight months, they do it in like four minutes. Uh, four minutes. You know? I, see, I see. So Tarkovsky kind of being a little bit of a contrarian, a little bit pushing back. He's like, no, dude, I'm going to make very long, ponderous. <laughs> I'm going to do well, locked that, off shots. I'm not. No, it, no, it, it completely works. What I'm saying yeah. is, though, like it's that scene is funny to me just because like, do you need four minutes to do that? No. I mean, just like so many things in the movie, do you need to have a four and a half minute thing of dudes like sitting at the threshold of the room while water is like trickling down and falling? No, but what it does, it creates this verisimilitude. It creates this hypnotic quality to it where you just get like sucked into the world and the experience of the characters. Like, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of not a ton of dialogue and stuff in in the movie. A lot of it's oh, just I, them kind of walking around. I mean, I I kind of think that the what I do like about older movies, at least I can't think of any in modern times, but monologues, monologues were like each character gets their monologue in this film. Yeah. Like there is a moment where they get to speak their truth or whatever. Um, it's 
it's something I miss. Like after watching Mr. Smith goes to Washington, it's a lot of monologues. It's great. Like to be able to hold your attention for that long. Like this movie is a testament, not just to patience, but like, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think there was a part of me that goes, Oh wow. That is it. Like I was expecting a spectacle. Yeah. At some point, you know, I think it's building to that. It's building to like this big moment. But then it's, it kinda... but it does build to a big, it builds to a big moment intellectually. Like where you're yeah. just like, uh, can you, like what, can what, you trust yourself? Well, like, I think, I think what you see at the end there, so they're, they're showing, you know, the water, the rain or whatever comes down in the room and, you know, washing stuff out or whatever. And then it shows two fish and then like some little silver thing from the, the bomb. Mm-hmm. And then you see blood and then you see oil and you start at what I think is oil anyway. The blackness, like you start thinking, is like that is really nature, with the ad- the atomic age and war and the and then what we fight over is resources and all these little like this and, and destroying our environment for our own petty human wants and needs, you know, like to expand conquest, I guess. And it just in that one moment that to me is art like that is something that you can't like to get that from like two fish just swimming near a piece of metal and blood and uh, like i like i felt like it naturally takes you there that's how this movie gets you thinking as you're watching it because the lack of context and the lack of dialogue and the long drawn out periods of these long you have nowhere else to revert but into your own head yeah exactly start thinking it presents you with ideas and then gives you the time to at least start to think about them and a lot of time Uh, yeah a lot of time and i asked it like i i love that scene when they first harp on the rail car and then like you all you hear is like the yeah the train yeah like the music gets all weird and stuff like i think dyer talked about that and i went back and i just watched that one scene because i was like that is such a great use of like they are they really are kind of shifting you know like yeah. there's some shift that's happening and you know uh it's just it really is art man and but i kept getting this feeling of like this repressive or, or, or oppressive like i government and this oh this feeling that they can't escape and even though they get to the room and they decide not to go into the room they still go back to their old lives and and the dog comes with them, which says, like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Why? So doesn't that mean it's actually happened? Because there's a part of you that could question, is this like a dream? Is this real? But the dog does come back. Yeah, I think that's the part of the metaphysical nature of the zone. That's why I mean, like, the stalker, maybe, I could be wrong, but I think it, it, from what I kind of took away from it is the stalker, like, manifested the dog into reality, like, and it's kind of in a weird way saying, like, you can make your dreams come true if you just have the will to do it. And the zone will provide you the environment where that can happen. So what the dog coming back means, like, yes, it did happen. We brought something back. You know what? I, we should remake this movie into a horrible thriller, like horror movie. <laughs> well, Just ruin it. I would. There, um, there is a movie that's very heavily inspired from a couple years ago. And I would actually suggest uh, revisiting it after just watching Stalker is uh, Annihilation. The Alex mm. Garland movie stars Natalie Portman. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he took a lot of inspiration from Stalker and kind of made a science fiction thriller. Literally, it's about his own. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it has a that. lot of similar themes and stuff. I'm going to go back and watch that. It's based on a book. I mean, Annihilation is based on a book, but uh, Alex Garland, he had a, a kind of a cool way of adapting the book. He read the book in one night and then never went back to it and just wrote a screenplay based on his memories of the book. I like that. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. And and then he was just like, yeah, and Stalker was a big, a big inspiration because instead of the room and Annihilation, you have a very, a much more bombastic spectacle scene uh, when they get to the lighthouse. Cause that's what, what is that about? It's about identity and self-actualization and dealing with yourself and your traumas and blah, blah, blah. And that's, and it's a much more direct way of dealing with a similar concept that you find the three men at the end of this film dealing with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's true. It's just, I, Man, this movie is takes you to so many different places if you want it to. You can really like. I mean, it is like I, one thing that kind of stuck out to me. I'm sitting here. I'm going. So when they so there's, I don't, if you guys haven't seen this, I don't know why the fuck you're this far in this, but uh, but they tie nuts and bolts, uh, this bolt to a piece of cloth and they toss it, and that's like supposed to guide them. Yeah, the markers basically. Well, no, but they pick them up. They don't mark. They pick it up every time. No, I know they pick it up, but it's like a testing, like right. But so I was thinking when I started, I was like, oh, maybe they're testing for mines. That was I was like, that would make sense to me. Yeah, because he says, watch where you step, and this obviously used to be some sort of battlefield or military occupation mm-hmm. place with all the tanks and everything. Um, something happened here, and uh, uh, that's what I was thinking because he does say he's like, watch your step, man. Like, I think you that, could well, get that, blown up. I think it is a reference to. Like war torn territories that have been abandoned, like, right? And it makes sense because the mag, because like the magnetism. I think actually, from what I understand, the book is way more explicit about that, and I do think it has to do with what you're saying. It makes sense to me, but I, I was also thinking about how uh, the fictitious or like the the habits that we do to like it's like people who have what's it called? Uh, like you don't walk under ladders. So, Superstitious superstitious like this superstitious thing where you just have a bolt and you're just tossing it and then you're just guiding you and, and also because like this movie well, it's about faith they, right it's about faith yes yes and we use trinkets and all these things to express our faith and mm-hmm. belief in our faith but i i, I remember like they were watching he's like because the writer is walking towards the room when he first leaves he's like it's not they're not far no it's right they're there. Like, <laughs> it's like a couple hundred you know i think i think the, they say a couple hundred meters in the movie and you're like God, that is disorienting, and it because and that's the beauty of this movie is it takes you it, it's something that is so close, which is death, which is faith, something that is so close to you. You can just if you just reach out for it, but you can't. You have to go through life. You have to battle through attrition, sleep deprivation, uh, the want to just get to the end, but you can't. You can't cheat the system. If you do, you're screwing yourself. And it's just, it's such a great, but the journey, the journey matters more than the destination. Yeah. That's what this movie is really saying. Yeah, because I think you could, you can take away from the end of the movie. They've all had, uh, or at least the writer and the professor have had a life changing experience where their preconceived notions about what it means to exist and what like life is supposed to but be about is, is different. Like it has the stalker, changed. stalker feels like a failure. 
That's a really interesting point because he does. He feels like he's like I lead them. I, I how can they not believe? That's why I'm saying it's like Christ. Like it's like this Christ-like prophetize prophet figure leading these people to their salvation. Like whether or not it's like if there's one thing that you could kind of view Christ as, he brings you to the water but doesn't make you drink basically. And and, and it's like how many times can you go through life? Where you go through this journey and then you decide to reject God. You reject the room because of your own fears of what acceptance of your destiny. Or like it's, it's, like, it's like a fear of that. Accepting who you are is a scary thing. Because we put on yeah. so many faces, so many masks, so many, so many things throughout our lives depending on who we're interacting with or the context of the situation. Uh, it's almost like very rarely are we ever our true selves? And that's something yeah. that I think, you know, social media especially has exacerbated in the current era, you know? Um, well, I mean, Tom McDonald's top in the charts, Sean. So I don't, you know, <laughs> there's hope. I don't know if you did see, I'm not trying to get off subject. He did just release a new video, 2 yeah, million I, views. I, I was going to, yeah, I was going to do a hot reacts only. I haven't got, you should, uh, you know, but Hey, um, I, I just think this movie takes, takes away. It, it makes you feel vulnerable. And then that's a really good thing that it does. Is it, it makes you feel vulnerable. You're questioning. But it's like you have to be willing to go through the threshold because as the viewer, you're like, go in the room almost. Like a part of you is like, just go in. You're here. You've come this far. Why not just complete the leg of this journey? There's a selfish reason for you as the viewer that you want to see what happens in the room because it really has no effect well, we, on you. We get to go in the room though. You remember the how the, the the point of view changes? Yes, we're in the room, right? So looking, I mean, looking, are. At, looking at them because we've like it's very pretentious, but like having watched the movie and having mm -hmm. done all these things, you've been enlightened. We've been enlightened, yes. Which maybe maybe we have been, but I I, I think you know uh, is uh, Tarkovsky Russian? I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's Russian. He obviously grew up in a very oppressive. He did, and uh, Tarkovsky's an interesting dude. Very intense, crazy, kind of a Kubrick-esque kind of guy. I listened to some interviews with him. He reminds me more of like a uh, what's this fuck? He's a writer. Oh my god, oh my god! It's my favorite poem. Roll the dice. Um, famous Nirvana. He wrote that song, not the song, the the, the poem, read by Tom Waits. Tom Waits loves him. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Charles Bukowski. Oh, Bukowski. He's like a he's like a Bukowski, like an angry kind of just like, <laughs> like an fuck ang you. angry Russian guy. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like he's like he's like uh, like he he's like a two thousand space odyssey is just awful. He's like I just it's he's like he's like it's too pretty. It's too pretty. Who needs well, to see he, he made pretty a, things? He, uh, the only other Tarkovsky movie I had seen, I've seen three Tarkovsky movies. I saw his first movie. It's called Ivan's Childhood, uh, and I've seen Solaris. Solaris in the mirror. No, I've never seen the mirror. I want to watch that next. I was like, I, well, really? He, there's cool. a bunch of them on uh, Criterion Channel. Not all of them, but there's a bunch of them. Um, and Solaris is his response to 2001. But it's an interesting response because it has like a conversation with the meta qualities of 2001, and what and he he brings it down to a much more human level. So if you say like Kubrick is the head, Tarkovsky in a weird way is the heart. He's the dreamer. He's the philosopher. Mm -hmm. You know, where like Kubrick is like the scientist. He's the clinician. Yeah, he's like, yeah, exactly. But he's an expert. But Tarkovsky, though, himself 
was a little is a little bit of a crazy perfectionist. Now, some of the background history, they've made this movie like three times. Three times, yeah. <laughs> well, because the first time something uh, wrong with the film stock. Well, from what I remember, it was because they so the same film stock. It was a Kodak film stock, uh, and it was used to you know film Star Wars, Blade Runner, like a bunch of these famous movies, Aliens, I think at the time, and the Russian DP deep. Not the DP, the freaking people who get the film ready. I can't remember. What well, he called. he blamed the DP, but the people that had developed the film. Yeah, uh, it, it gave this green, dark hue. look. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then that then that got destroyed in 1988. And he was, yeah, that's never been seen. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's only one shot in the movie that's from the original shoot, which is. Um, you see, like, uh, a body of the water, lake. and there's all the foam, which is from because there was a paper mill up the way, and, and it's and all like, the toxic I, shit yeah. from the paper mill, which, you know, all everybody involved in this movie pretty much died uh, within about 15 to 20 years. The last which, guy, I, the last guy, <laughs> to, the oldest one made it to 1996. He was the DP, the guy who came in the third he time. Was 61? Yeah, they all, I mean, Tarkovsky dies at, in 50, he was 54. Yes, he was fifty-four. He would be like eighty something. Because they were out in Estonia, which was yeah. had radiation poisoning in there, and then there was all the factories. Obviously, there's no regulations. I, I, there's all they I, were I, in septic water. They were like those yeah, places I, were real places. The first film did not take place in Estonia. That didn't. They did not. There was an earthquake. Yeah. That destroyed the yeah, location they went, of they the went, first film. Yeah, and then they went somewhere else. And then they right. uh, the third one they ended up doing. Well, the second and third one they were in Estonia, and the second one. The second time they filmed the movie, which I don't know if they completed either of the first or second goes at it. I don't think they had the whole movie, but uh, he just didn't like it. He just like, this is shit. I don't like what we've captured here. We need to go do it again. And he all tricks, the same and then he like tricks. Yeah. All the same actors. He tricks this because it took him a couple years to finish this. Uh, just the filming of it. And oh, because he was going to make it a two part movie. Yeah. Well, he, he was, yeah. he basically went to the financiers and lied. Like, yeah. he's like, well, you know, we can make it a two-parter. We need some extra funding to do some reshoots to make this two. And then he just filmed the rest of the movie. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a testament to belief. He believed in the, the story. I, or... but, dude, I love that. See, that is the kind of artist or the kind of filmmaker or a musician or whatever. Like, I want your point of yeah. view i want your creation i don't want it to be compromised whether i like I, it or not i can respect somebody that like puts down their vision what like hearing about this i got very apocalypse now vibes just like everything's gone wrong type of stuff and i guess there's a famous uh from the mirror i believe what it is i think that's what it is uh, uh they literally burned down a house yes and they like forgot to film it or they nope. didn't have enough cameras set the, up. The or... DP suggested Tarkovsky's like, hey, we should get more than one camera in case anything goes wrong. Tarkovsky's like, nah, it's whatever. I don't need to do that. And then the camera jammed within 30 seconds. Yep. And then they, I think, did it again and it messed up again. Like, it was something crazy. Like, it was something wild like that. No, I think. Like, it met. I, think they I don't got know it, if they got it on the I think time. they got it on the second time. They burned down a house. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably just a shell of a house. Was probably wasn't a real Who house. the fuck knows with these these Russians? I know, dude. I know. But this and this is really what I think the movie shows to me. Great suffering 
leads to like like what the Russians went through. People don't fucking know, man. They don't fucking know. You know, like they really don't. I don't think people were eating their fucking children. Yeah. Like, this is some fucking heavy shit. These people lived some of the one of the most oppressive times in history, in modern history, and 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 out of that sprung this great art from this horrible, horrible suffering. Yeah, like, but because it has, like I said uh, before, when I was talking about uh, the stalker's daughter, it has kind of a hopeful ending, in the sense of like, like I said before, like the foundation, all of these decisions that were made that had nothing to do with this daughter before she was brought into the world now inform her, but she has like kind of this beautiful innocence and naivete not to be weighed down with it in the same way that her father is or the writer or the professor. They have a hard time disconnecting from the life they live to see potential in a, in a more hopeful future. And that's why what upsets stalker. That's what upsets him about uh, the, the writer and the professor not going into the room also upsets himself that he can't move beyond it because he's just accepted that he's a stalker and that's kind of a finite thing it has boundaries it has rules Mm. he doesn't know how to break out of that you know well i I think you know in the the very opening scene of the movie he's trying to sneak out right to go do this mission and the wife obviously wakes up because they live in the creakiest nastiest wettest floors i've ever seen the wet wettest floors anywhere I was sitting there. I was like, "How like do these people not? Mop? Is this mopping all? I just I know how many times they must have had a mop constantly to keep the floors that wet. <laughs> these wooden floors, they're just soaked. It's uh, it was really weird. Uh, I remember just thinking that I'm like, "How are these these floors are well, always? It's supposed to give you the sense of like uncomfortable, damp. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely. But he, as this Christ-like figure. Leaves like because he doesn't even really say anything to his daughter before he leaves. His wife is screaming and crying and begging him to stay. It's not worth being locked up in prison for ten years. You've already you just got out yeah. after five, you know. And he's willing to throw it all away because there is where they the the writer and the professor definitely criticize him. They're like, "You're God here. You have all the power and you love it. You're addicted to it." It's the only thing that gives you meaning. It gives him purpose. Yeah. And, and it's all he knows. But he was willing to throw that all away. But I think him bringing the dog back, this physical connection to the zone, because obviously his daughter is connected to the zone in some weird way. Maybe that's why he won't go in the room because maybe his daughter were, well, will well, not be, be there. Maybe or, she'll die okay. because she's in suffering. He considers her her right circumstances suffering right yes um i think yes. i think that's a great point actually yeah him bringing a piece of the zone back to kind of show him what really matters maybe it's like a like you can maybe even get the sense at the end of the movie because of the way the writer and the professor he's like now maybe more comfortable and happy and accepting of like what's important yeah and his family is important his daughter yes. is important her view her views why they're so using that so much at the end there is because it's her eyes like she doesn't need to see the awfulness of the world and like this like this disgusting like i can be the hope for her because ultimately the zone represents the future the youth the unknown the thing that you can't control we all try to pretend we can but you have to believe things will get better and by believing in in maybe by 
believing in your daughter and saying, you know what, I love my family. I don't know if I need to be risking everything for these these guys that just don't have faith and they never will. Yeah, exactly, because he's so disillusioned that he's like, I bring people here to give them hope, to give them meaning, to help them find themselves, and nobody ever really does. And so he's like, he can be the stalker, if you will, in his own life, right? Like he can, like you said, his daughter, his family becomes his project of hope. I I think his daughter became the stalker. Becomes a a stalker? Well, you mean like in a metaphorical sense? Metaphorical, not literal. Yeah. Yeah. Like she is going to be the guiding light. Yeah, she's going to guide him to find happiness, right? Yeah, I mean, and the wife, which is, she's surprisingly, it's just very strange. She is not mad when they do come back to uh, the, the their town. Not mad. No, like, they don't, obviously don't tell you how they got back. There's no, it, it's kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. And they have the dog and she just makes like a joke like, oh, hi. Like, she's not mad. Like, she was furious. She was furious, but then, then, then she has this where she's taking him to the bed, and he's very upset. And she's like, "It was I." She like sits back into the corner of the room near the window. And she's smoking a cigarette, and she's like, "I have never regretted, you know, being with you. I have, even though I felt grief, loss, like pain, but it's I, I exile whatever." She's like, "I've still." love you or i still believe in you yeah and it's not i still believe in us and i think that was like a really really awesome moment because she understands that he's a stubborn man he's stubborn you know i don't think anyone would say that something like you know christ was a stubborn bastard like belief is stubbornness you know i think that it takes you have to be stubborn like it's this unrelenting but you have to give in to the future you have to give in to your family and not be this well you have, to, you have like, to find purpose in what you have it's not yes. always some nebulous concept that's just out there right you can't be just searching for something that is already in your arms it's already there you're just looking for yeah. other reasons to not take responsibility of your family to 100%. not take action and say i understand that i don't have a perfect life but i can still make it a good life and that maybe that's a lesson he learned by taking the dog back. He can still have some connect- connection, some trinket, and also um, control over the zone. The dog r- resembles discipline. Uh, the dog is something that the man can control. Yeah. By taking it from the zone, he maybe feels power in that. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great. I think that's a perfect read on it, actually. Gotta say, dude, you know, (laughs) um, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts? It's something it's, this is a movie like you just, just, it's not, I don't even think we've done it. You could, someone else could watch this and have completely different. Well, but but I think it's like, you know, I'm not a Tarkovsky expert. By any I've means. never watched any of his films. He's never, until this. Dan's never watched any of his movies, and you know we're not obviously like the most familiar with this movie. It's not something. It's not like two thousand one or whatever for me, where I've seen it fifty billion times, and I have yeah. very distinct, well thought out um, ideas about what I think the movie is getting at. But I think that's kind of beautiful about Stalker because it is something that every time I watch Stalker, I like it more. Well, that's the thing is like I deliberately chose not to watch it again. 
Mainly because kind of like I guess you could say the principle that the director of Annihilation. Like I just wanted to see like I, it's actually kind of incredible how much I do remember. Yeah, you you have pretty good recall. <laughs> like you know, I mean, honestly, like I'm like a little shocked because because it sticks I, with you. It's really it really crawls does. into your fucking brain. Like dude, from the, from the way that the 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 sound design, the like the subtle oh, yeah. score, the cinema cinematography is a it's, gorgeous fucking movie. It's incredible. Like I would love to see the version of this that he threw away because it wasn't good enough. Like I'm like, I what bet. the fuck does that even look like? It's just like an action movie. Some trash. <laughs> uh, Aliens are in the yeah. grass. Yeah, you know, uh, it's like The Happening or something. Because this movie, The Happening, actually is kind of a good, like in a weird way. Well, about just the creepiness of nature. Well, no, because this movie is definitely like an environmental. Uh, I think lesson oh, as well. It has that. I definitely ha- it has a little bit of that stuff. Well, because like because sure. it's weird. He's got this erotic fixation or this love for the zone. Like when he first shows up, he's like intoxicated. He lays. In, in the grass, and there's something that is really unique. It always caught my attention. He shows up the first time when it goes into color, and he's like, the flowers have no smell here, right? Or something to like that. And he goes down into this ravine, and he's just laying in the grass. He takes a little wee nap. There's a lot of nap and a lot of laying in this film. And, like, he doesn't care the bugs are crawling him. They're on him. They, like It's just he's... It's like basically being encompassed by the zone, but he doesn't. Then he comes back and he keeps referencing like the, the lack of smell in this flower. Does that mean that this is like like an artificial flower doesn't or, have smell? You know, maybe it's like the metaphysical quality again, like about the zone kind of taking on the attributes of what you want it to. And if he can, he wants it for himself. Uh, you know, when they were filming this originally, apparently the stalker character was a much shadier. Weird guy, yeah. Weird guy, and he did not have great, like, ends. He was not as about hope and stuff. That's something they actually changed, like, halfway through making the movie. They rewrote a lot of the script. Well, he does kind of come off as, like, a criminal, right? I mean, that's what they're trying to say. Or at least persecuted. Well, he does, he's not in the zone for other people. He's there for himself, which I think is still present in this as well, but he does have this other motive of like, he wants to, like you said, he kind of wants to be a savior. He wants to be like kind of a prophetic figure. Um, but he's too tied to what he thinks the world is. And that's part mm-hmm. of the lesson that he learns at the end. It's does not always the life. You can't always expect it to conform to the way you perceive it or you, you want it to be. So I think like when he gets into the zone, like it's an erotic, it's a very like primal thing. He's just like yeah. laying in the dirt and grabbing it with his hands and like, cause he wants to be part of the zone. He is the zone. Like, yeah, you know, that's what gives him purpose. Like we said before, like this whole process of him being a stalker, just like with the writer and the professor, they're very rigid in their identities based on what role they play in society. I still, I still think the professor and stalker like very similar because they there's a reason why they're always so close to each other. You know, I it's agree. Always the I, writer. I agree with you, and I think like and, and the writer is the one that, that has to go out and venture and like be afraid. They're the ones that have to get fear so they can come back and like report it. Because when he goes up to the building, the room or the, the entrance to the room at first, he goes stop, and no one tells you who said it. Like because they say it wasn't them. The professor and stalker said, wasn't us. He's like, and because the professor mocks him, he goes, uh, he's like, you're hearing things in your head, huh? Yeah, well, like, because you know. like maybe that's what it is. Like, that's the influence of the stalker. 
he's in his head a little bit and he's like, uh, it makes you anxious, gives you anxiety. Yeah. I think what you're saying about the professor and the stalker, I think it bears out because though there's one scene in the movie when they're going through the tunnel with like the water and stuff yes. and it's the writer and the stalker uh, walking together and they just bicker the whole time. Yep. Where you don't ever see the professor and the stalker really bicker. They don't they, really fight because they yeah. have like a clear sense of purpose where the writer or the artist, however you want to put but it they, is much more like feeling it out. I need to, like you said, I need to experience this myself. I need to feel the danger. I need to see the zone. I need to I walk just, through those doors. What do you think? How, how long do you think the writer was in that sand room? Cause it makes it seem like it's been a minute. Cause well, he wakes up in the water. There's a point in the movie, right? Like where, what a great monologue in that scene, though. That is an amazing when he's sitting on the pipe. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, I wish dude, you could watch that guy, dude. And not to mention how the mockery the writer does of Christ. He creates the crown of thorns and he's wearing it, and like it's, it's like almost he's mocking the stalker. Like, look at me. Like, I forgive you. You know. And this is what the uh, philosophers or like the writers do. They mock God. They they say that's absurd. Yeah. You know. The nihilism. But it's I, – I, I can tell you this much. I am always, I think, happy when I watch a movie and I have no idea what it's about and it's unsuspecting and you kind of, it's kind of like the first time you watch Effort Fake or for me, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It is so awesome. Like that feeling you get of just being like I've never experienced something like that and that's awesome. Like it's a really – good feeling yeah it's, it's, a pu- it's pure discovery and it's so often we're so detached because of popular filmmaking of the day and we're so inundated with just thoughtless crap uh, when i you don't, don't even know I, I think it's always been that way right though well i mean there's always been popular stuff and i guess today are there people still making movies on this level paul thomas anderson i think he comes close know, he so- definitely comes close he's much more thoughtful but he's much more literally minded as well like well, he's obviously not working in the same, you know, artistic style, but I think The Phantom Thread is one of those movies that really ask you about the nuances of relationship and oh, suffering for, sure. yeah. for somebody and like all this weird sickness crap. Like it's the strangest. That's just that's I think that's probably his most uh, Cere- meta like cerebral movie. Yeah, like that one, you know, like the There Will Be Blood is very, yeah, this is it. This is what's fucking happening. The I mean, master is a little bit. Yeah, it has. They both. They all have layers. I wouldn't suggest that they're just like literal and they're just yeah, uh, but, one but, scene but, after but, another, and you know exactly yeah, what first, it means. And the but. first time you watch *There Will Be Blood*, you're not like. I mean, you may ask questions and you may love it, like I did, but I think it's that takes multiple viewings to see. It. Oh, there's yeah, because there's a surface narrative to attach yourself to, whereas something yes. like *Stalker* is much more obtuse. It's much more yes. abstract. Uh, like you know. There's a point in the movie because, like, like we said before, 200 meters away from the entrance of the zone is the room, and uh, the yeah, movie like does. Right this, but the movie it. does this thing, like Dan had said before, where you feel like you become disorientated because the zone, no the, the, the time and space stop mattering. So even the scene when they're taking a nap, like they're going to bed at night, it's never nighttime. Like they're like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it comes yeah. in and out of this weird well, it, it, space. Well, cause it feels like, cause the way they make it seem, it feels like it's been hours and hours and hours. He's like, it's going to be nighttime soon or we need to hurry up. And they spend another two hours like just hanging out or laying in the grass. Like talking yeah, shit like, to each other. Like I got to take a nap, bro. And the fucking writer just won't stop. And but the professor is not really bothered by it. It's so weird. It's such a, and then they wake up laying together because at the end of the day, they're both dreamers. 
You know, like in this weird way, they're both wait, like you know, they don't really want to, they don't really hate each other, but they just hate the way that each other sees the world. Well, because I think it's a subtle kind of commentary on class a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like there, because the, the it's like a it's like an avalanche or a waterfall. It's like the professor at the top looking down on the writer, the writer looking down on the stalker. In terms mm-hmm. of how they feel about themselves and who's like more valuable who because the writer like he bickers with with uh the professor or antagonizes him but it's in like in this very childish petulant way like mm-hmm. oh you think you're so smart well prove it to me like that's something you would say to yeah. somebody that you feel is like a better or something if you were insecure yeah. right mm-hmm. like and i think there's definitely that present in the movie yeah uh, it's not like a large part of the film but I, it's definitely yeah. there like but it informs everything that happens. It informs they, all their conversations. and Yes, there's definitely an antagonistic relationship, I believe, at every point in the movie. There is, like, between each character. There's well, always a little bit of antagonism. That's what it's all about. It's about the struggle of the heart and the mind yeah. and hope and, and authoritarianism and freedom. And that's kind of all the things that it's dealing with. And it's a movie I think you could come back to again and again and probably pull more out of, you know? You definitely can't watch this in China. Probably you definitely you probably won't know. be able to watch it in the United States in the next five years, according Stalker to the House Counts. Has been so. banned. Probably. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I really wouldn't. It's too distant. Well, because I think Tarkovsky is actually like, from what I understand, I, I think he was religious. I think he might have either been Catholic or Christian. There's a lot of like Russian religious um, iconography. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I was saying. It's yeah. like all over the place. Well, I think like, this, this I really do believe this movie. This is more about well. I think it's the Christ like, like journey. It's either Jesus or Saint Paul. It's like one of those Russian like paintings. That's what. Like, I, yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's Christ, and then they show the pieces of silver. Yeah, I know. Yeah. For that, yeah. So that's like there's definitely a lot of Christian iconography and, and illusions like, and stuff. And yeah. illusions. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the whole entire thing is about. People get so close to God that they just won't let go, and, and like a lot of the time, even the pre like priests have doubt and question their faith, and you know, are are they even doing what the right you know the you know doing the right thing or yeah. leading people down the wrong path and blah 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 blah. But hey, I say go watch it. I give it I give it a ten out of ten, man. Like for me, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's just that's what I gotta say about it. I think I don't know unless you got anything else. Well, I don't know if you like. We don't have to do this. No, what? I watched a, a review. It's a kind of a short one, and the guy like absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be funny to just like check it out for a second. Yeah. Um. Let's see if I can find it real quick here. Yes, I did. I found it. It's from a couple months ago. He hated it. Huh? He, like you got this is a. Like, so this is the writer. This is like a. He will be the writer in this uh, sequence. Uh, you will be with the professor, and I will be the stalker. All right, let's check this out. This will be fun. Right, this on. might be a fun way to just end end it, so we can hear what a uh, a normie film lover thinks. This guy loves cinema, dude. <sighs> My favorite movie is probably fucking Endgame or something. <laughs> Released in 1979, Stalker was written and directed by Andre Tuck. So now you hear his voice. You hear a, an erudite British man. You might mm-hmm. you think he would love this film. 
I mean, he has some good he has Blade Runner there, you know, like yeah, Alien. It just seems like random shit. I, <laughs> thing, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I mean, you're definitely seeing an era, a, a generation. Like oh, this the 70s, yeah. 80s. 80s, 90s, yeah. Yeah. He's a genre fan. He's got a... Amelia? He's got a shining Amelia? t-shirt on. Amelie. That's Amelie. It's a French movie. It's a pretty uh, good movie, actually. But Tarkovsky. I watched Stalker as part of my movie project to watch the imdb.com's top 250 films of all time. And this is number 204 in the top 250. This is the 179th film I've seen of the 250. And if I were to rank all 179, Stalker would be 179th. (gasps) A guide known as a stalker leads two men through an area called the zone to find a room which apparently grants wishes. Welcome back to the channel and my movie review of Stalker. If you're new here, don't just consider some. Now, do you think if you had if you had watched the movie and you were talking about it, I suppose that's an introduction. Would you say that the room grants wishes? I mean, it does allude to that, well, and that's that, kind of what it. That's what it's. That's what they're saying. It will grant you whatever you want. That's he does say that. Stalker talks about it, and I think it's to continue to them keep pushing forward. Yeah, but they come you, to a conclusion at the end that it's no, not really a wish. It's just no, your, your deepest desire. That is the writer's interpretation. That's what the writer believes. The writer is the one that's, that that dissects Porcupine's death. And that's what ultimately stops yeah. the professor and the writer from entering the room. Is that they? that's what their conclusion was. The stalker never admits that. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Subscribe in. Do it. Do it. And if you like this video, please like this video. So I think I've let it out of the bag that I didn't enjoy Stalker very much, but there are some positives. The film looks extremely authentic and it does a really good job of creating this world which has apparently been ravaged by war and some kind of disaster, nuclear or something else. Yeah, apparently right. lots of the external shots were shot at a couple of disused hydro power stations in Estonia and you can tell it looks really authentic. These are really kind of spooky realistic, grey, dreary, horrible drab places. I like the way Tarkovsky frames some of the shots. The film is quite famous for its very long single shot takes where the frame acts as a kind of stage. The very opening shot of the film is a very good example of this, a treacle slow zoom into a bedroom. The caveat of this admittedly effective filming method is the context within these frames is often dull and laborious pretentious and near endlessly waffly. There are some interesting uses of colour. The early scenes are in a a dull sepia. It's almost like this is the world's first brown and white film. And the colour gradually increases as the three men get closer to the room in this zone. The cast are extremely good. Again, there's a real sense of authenticity in how they act. At times it's almost like you're watching a documentary. But again, there's a caveat. When they talk, the effect is well and truly shattered. Before I get into the numerous negatives of Stalker, this is a popular film. People love it. People give it 10 out of 10. But it's not a stone-cold classic in some people's Hate eyes. It. If you're one of these people, let me know in the comments what you He's like the writer. He doesn't even understand Why am I wrong it? to hate it? I'm not. So to the negatives. Where to start? He is, dude. He's the writer and the professor. He's just like, hey. No, nah, he's just the even writer. If, even if you he's give arrogance. me contrary information, there's no way you're going to convince me to like Stalker. What a piece of shit. I'm just joking. He's probably a very nice man. Let's start with the plot. So as I said in the intro, the stalker guides these two men 
into this destroyed zone. We don't really know, quite know how it's been destroyed. A meteorite's been mentioned. It's all sort of a bit fluffy. That's okay. You don't have to spell it out. And somewhere in this zone, apparently, is a room which grants wishes. Okay, that is a cool premise. I really like that. Why do these characters go on this incredibly dangerous mission to find this room? What is it that they want? What is it that they're going to wish for? Well, for almost the entire runtime, all 2 hours 41 minutes of this film, it has really no interest in telling us what these characters want. There are no real character arcs as such. Why? See, I just totally disagree with that. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, I think the idea, like, it's it, it's supposed to be elusive because I don't think anybody really knows what they want. Like, that's kind of the point. Well, like, but the character arc, like, what do you, you know? Like, what does he mean? Like, what is... Well, the, dude, does a character start in one place and then end in a different place? I think they but all they do. But they do end in a different place. Yes, emotionally, psychologically, they end in a different place. Like, they didn't go into yeah. the room, but they did learn something about themselves. Like, right? Yeah, it, it, like that, they're not willing to go there i guess well I, I just yeah i mean i don't know i just disagree yeah i agree yeah. does the stalker want to guide these people through the zone why is he so obsessed with it to the point of pretty much abandoning his whole family why does the stalker not feel the need to use the room for himself i have no idea the stalker keeps explaining that the zone will mess with you or tease you and talk well he does explain why he doesn't go into the room so he he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not allowed and he doesn't trust himself, motherfucker. Right. Bump a chord. There you go. There's a little chime for you people. There we go. You try to confuse you, even try to kill you. Again, it's a great premise, but it's almost completely wasted. The only threat that comes from the zone is what the stalker tells the people about the zone. The zone doesn't really do anything. There's one moment where the zone apparently whispers in one of the men's ears and he turns around. And another moment where it takes them in a loop back where they've just come from. But that's about it. There's no real sense of danger from the zone because it doesn't actually do anything. Because that's, to me, like we discussed, it's about perception. It's about thinking that it's dangerous, whether it is or not. And that's what gives somebody anxiety because that's what, like, potentiality brings to your attention. The variables. I could do this. Here's all the things, the, the possible scenarios that could that could come of me taking an action. Mm. And that's kind of part of, I think, the nature of the zone and what Tarkovsky's getting at. But mm. During one absolutely tortuous scene, the men have to walk through a tunnel known as the Meat Grinder. The stalker keeps emphasizing how incredibly dangerous this tunnel is and how you shouldn't mess with it, how you shouldn't disrespect it because it can kill you. So they just walk through it. It takes about 15 minutes for them to walk through this tunnel. And not such a, a great scene. Fucking thing. I know, isn't it? It is a great it's scene. It's such a great scene. And it, has, it, and it has a lot of like good peaks tension. and valleys and tension. My God, the tension. Yeah. Because like, you are like instinctually you're like, hurry, like, just run. Like just fucking do it. Because this is a thing that I noticed about the meat grinder really quickly is why do they never want to lose sight of the professor? Right? Of the writer, like, you mean? I mean, of the writer, yeah. They never want to lose sight of him because if you do, he might not be there. You know, it's the meat grinder, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So that builds that tension because they're playing catch-up the whole time. So it's this really long, slow, slow, slow thing that speed, 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 speed up. It's long, it's, slow, slow, slow. But it just yeah. also represents, like, there's a preconception of what something is, and then there's actually kind of experiencing it's it. Like, it's and like being you, a kid. 
and telling you, 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 someone says we're gonna go check out this haunted house. Exactly. Like, no, just be- it, it is that. Yeah. Actually, the zone is that. Yes, that's, a that's great, what I'm saying. That's a great yeah. metaphor for the zone. It's like being a kid yeah. going into a quote-unquote haunted house. And yeah, somebody, where everybody and, believes and it. And the person that is taking you in there is telling you that it's haunted. Yep, and then uh, then someone goes, would you hear that? Yeah. So and you then, oh, walk, what, what? Yeah. You walk slowly and you creep and you're like, And then uh, it makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. That's a perfect metaphor. Thing happens to them. And there's no level of danger because nothing the stalker has actually said has really happened and because you don't give a shit about what these characters want, because the film doesn't really bother telling you, and because there's no threat at any point, there's no tension. I looked up this scene before I did this review and found someone had named it the pinnacle of cinematic tension. It would be like if... It's like, I'll, I'll, I'd like to... Give me a Jurassic Park scene, mate. Give me yeah, something I mean, from JP. Well, it does. He does have... You know, obviously a Thor poster on his wall, so he loses a lot of credibility yeah, right there. You can't really trust this guy. We know that is that is Thor, right? Thor and Hulk. Yeah, dude, that's a Marvel tard. Yeah, like, Sorry, dude, fella. you might be a no, good guy, man. I mean, but but, this is but if you're gonna you're gonna sit there and act, like, what do you need? Like, what? Like, what do you need in I, a, this film? Like, I what do you want? An action scene? Do you want like these guys to yeah. have? Like, I feel like. Their arcs are there, like because they have these monologues where they're like expressing oh. themselves, and you learn about them, yeah, he, learn about how they think about the world. He makes mention of that. I think my biggest takeaway, even so far in the review, is like, oh, you didn't really, you kind of passively watch this movie. And like, you, there's no you were, way you that checked you sat out. There. Like, you were bored, and you're like, I'm checked out, and then I just sat through it. Like, that's what it seems like. He was not there to kind of really investigate and see if it is something deeper to it or whatever. He just wanted to kind of serve to him on a platter, like, like a normal conventional movie. And even for Tarkovsky, uh, this is a little bit of a break in norm. It is his, all of his movies are slow. They are. Uh, but some of them have much stronger, like narratives, like Solaris has a very strong narrative. It's a slow movie. It's a ponderous movie. It's about philosophy. It's about memory. It's about, uh, lovers lost and what all that stuff means to you. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it moves. It feels like it moves a little bit more than like stalker does for sure. But that, def- but you got to understand the complete, the complete like package of stalker, the languid nature of it is part of it. Like it's part of the experience and you kind of, you know, that's why when I tell people, and I even told this to you, it's like, you know, just be patient with the movie. You got to have some patience for it. You know? Well, it's just, just, just watch it. Yeah. Listen, like if you're paying attention, like, I, am I saying like I had to get up and go maybe take a smoke break? Yeah, like I did a couple times. Sure, it's a long fucking movie. Yeah, like that's a long movie. I'm not even ashamed. When the part two came up, I was like, smoke break, get a cup of coffee, <laughs> uh, reorient. But I think that you know I don't really feel like there's anything wrong with that. But no, hey, that's just me. I don't know. I mean, this guy just kind of seems like what he's saying. At least for me, is just not most of this is just not accurate. Well, he wants to convent. He wanted it to be a more conventional experience, right? Yeah, this is definitely like cut it down to an hour and a half. This this movie could have been cut down to an hour and a half. I wonder if he ever like, reviewed Annihilation. I should see. I should check. I won't. I won't I make you guys it. suffer. But no, he probably loved Annihilation. Yeah, probably. If in John Carpenter's Halloween. Dr. Loomis keeps talking about how Michael's dangerous and how he'll kill you all and how he's got no emotion. And then you never actually see Michael in the film and the credits roll. 
Then there's the dialogue. Oh man, then there's the dialogue. It starts okay when they're first traveling through the early stages of the zone. It's a bit chatty, a little bit waffly, a little bit arty and pretentious here and there, but it's bearable, it's okay. Then the closer they get to the room, the more they talk in these archetypal art house monologues, which talk about everything and nothing. Sentences have no connection to the previous sentence. Paragraphs have no relation to where they are, what they've done, what they're doing. They spew verbal diarrhea all over the place. Nothing they say has any real meaning, so you can derive any meaning you want from anything they say. That's the point. That's kind of the point. Well, it's you know it's definitely philosophical and ponderous, but to say that they are not connected to each other or what they're experiencing, like I said, this is like you just didn't pay very close attention. That's uh, I don't know. This is hard to watch a little bit. Don't worry, it's almost over. Is I it know. about communism? Could be. Is it about the corruption that wealth can create? I can't say that it's not. Is it about Kellogg's cornflakes? Probably not, but, you know, knock yourself out. Oh, and of course there has to be a shoehorned it's all about religion moment. I mean, talk about ticking all the arty... Shoehorned. Shoehorned, which means they just stuck it in at the end to give it some meaning. Huh. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, But I guarantee you, the reason why I wanted to watch this, I do think this is the normie take on Stalker. This is so disappointing. Like, if you're a guy... Like, this is like Solomon. If Solomon watches Stalker, I told him oh, exactly what he's going to say. I don't think. I think Solomon. He's a pretty thoughtful dude. He's not going. No, I, I. I think he would like it. That's what I told him. But uh, I've been wrong before. That's true. But he likes. He likes a, a slow, ponderous, thoughtful, philosophical thing. Yeah. He reads we'll Philip K. See. Dick. He uh, likes like Blade Runner, science. Fiction. All right. Well, we don't need to talk about him, but maybe we'll see. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that fucker. Yeah. No, but uh, but I I think this is probably like the modern audience, like the kind of media diet we have what the things we consume this probably w- would be the the average takeaway it would be something like, like this, this this is the guy that like leads to the acceptance of something like communism because he's just not willing to look at it any further than the face like he's probably an sjw yeah. guy. he's like that ah, sounds good like yeah he's Quality? like oh yeah sounds great yeah. Well, tell me yeah that sounds cool man workers unite baby oh defarty <laughs> So it's about cornflakes and Jesus now and communism and... And sloths and carp and anchovies and orangutans and breakfast cereals and fruit bats and large... Skip a bit, brother. On a technical level, there's some quite laughable audio which has obviously been added post-production. Every splash of water goes sploosh. And then one great scene when they're driving a Jeep at about 10 miles an hour and they stop in a little bit of mud, it goes... In general, too, although the... I can't... That is so fucking... <laughs> I mean, you're getting really into it. Like, that's like... What? You're I mean, like... I thought that, too, when I saw it. I was like, they're in mud. But then I got right over it. Like, if you're still thinking about that later... Well, he's it's... like, it's it's fake. I feel like he's talking... I'm talking to, like, one of our, our cousins. Like, uh... <laughs> well, it's, it's all... But it's also not... That doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, it is a rubber sound, but... Like brakes and stuff. Maybe it's like a crappy old. I vehicle. think it's. I, I think it's accentuated, but I don't even it's, know if it's accentuated without a purpose. It's supposed no, no. to be. It's because it's trying, especially in the beginning of the movie when he's talking about the jeep. It's trying to like encompass you with a cacophony of industrial sound. Yeah. And like, and the the effort and the grinding of metal and all this stuff, like you said about like the train on the track, right? So when they yeah. go into the zone, it's a much more naturalistic. 
Uh, you hear like wind and the rustle of the grass and walking through like, you know, a, a grassland and mud and right. water. The, uh, nature eliminated humans from its existence. And this is where it's supposed to be. Like this was supposed to be like, yeah. The aesthetics of the film are pretty unique. It has quite a shoddy vibe to the whole thing. If you didn't know, you'd probably guess that this was made in the 1950s, not 1979. Perhaps this is intentional, but the film does not. Why? I don't know, man. Like, why would you even? Because he doesn't. I did, it this. did look like the sepia tone stuff. Like, kind of threw me. I was like, oh, this movie looks older, but whatever. Yeah, but once you watch the whole movie, you understand. Yeah. Get it? Like, yeah, you get you. You, you should. I mean. Not deserve the best of my doubt. Finally, we get a nonsensical and sledgehammer subtle final scene where we find that the stalker's daughter at home, who apparently doesn't have legs but actually does have legs, can move things with her mind. It's like a scene from another film. It has no relation to anything else in the film. It hasn't been earned at all. It's not one of those revelatory, oh, wow, kind of moments. The girl has powers obviously bestowed by the zone. Why? How? Why? You may have noticed I hated Stalker. It's an admittedly striking looking film, filled with empty characters who give us no reason to love, hate or empathise with them. A plot which sets up lots of great ideas and then pisses on each of them in turn. And themes which are near infinite because of a series of monologues where everyone talks about everything and nothing at the same time. My score for Stalker is 3 out of 10. Alright, you just pause this thing. So I'll just say this much. I feel like this guy doesn't like to think when he watches movies, it seems. But then again, just this is off this one example. So. Well, but there's, this is the thing. This is a criticism I, I bring up all the time on Zoobox Goes to the Movies about, especially modern movies, is people are, are like, they don't write, subtext doesn't exist anymore. It all has to be delivered to you in the dialogue Maybe. or the narrati- narrative directly, or people think it's not there. Like it's too subtle. Like to suggest that the final scene of the movie, you don't understand the context, how that fits into the movie and what was said and what they were talking about is because you weren't paying attention. And like I said, I have not seen this movie like a hundred times or anything. I've seen it three times. I've seen it once. And you've seen but... it once and you picked up on that. Like it's very clear like what is happening. And then there's the subtextual element about what it represents to the themes of the story. Yeah. I, I, I honestly am kind of speechless. I, I, I really don't know what to even say to this guy. It's like maybe we should start issuing licenses for people <laughs> to be able to speak about movies or something. Uh, I <laughs> get real, you want to get authoritarian. You want to be in yes. a sepia world. Yeah. Like, no, you could be like, yeah, man, okay. Okay, Mr. Fucking, yeah, communism probably works to you. Like, that's like you like, you probably just get so upset when something doesn't work right. You know, you're like, why can't it be done today? today damn it and it's like dude that's not how life is sometimes you gotta take a little time with it yeah you know yeah and i but you know uh nope that guy has the right to his opinion it's a fucking dumb one and i believe you should be put in jail because you're in england you do not have freedom of speech (laughs) in england um yeah but uh if if count dinkula has to go to jail for a nazi joke you should go to jail for for your bad takes on no but hey man no man like whatever I guess you, as the writer, are stuck in your ignorant place. Sean is the professor, enlightened by the experience of not of not using the uh, nuclearization, the nuclear device, and I am the stalker. Continue evolving. 
I guess. I don't know. No, well, I'm just kidding. Well, I appreciate this conversation. I'm really glad you watched it. I'm really glad you liked it because I, I had a feeling I thought you would like it because uh, it seems like something that's kind of up your alley and you've been watching. Your your movie diet has broadened a lot in the past couple Well, I mean, months. it's like what movie have you shown me that I really hated besides uh, Jewel, Richard Jewel, that movie <laughs> fucking sucks. This movie's fucking no, trash. We're, we're, yeah, when we're talking about contemporary movies, um, well, I mean, some of those we were just watching because they were new movies and we just watched yeah. and talked about them. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, you hated The Way Back? Isn't that another one you didn't like? What, The Way Back? I like that movie about the Gulag Escape, you guys. No, like. no, the one with uh, Ben Affleck. Oh, the basketball movie? What a fucking loser. <laughs> what a fucking no, loser. No, and those are not great movies, and they don't touch Stalker. Like, they're not no. the same. They're not even trying to achieve the same thing. But, no, I'm really glad you liked it, and... uh it would be awesome. Honestly, like I want to dive into Tarkovsky, especially after reintroducing it to myself. So if you end up just on a whim, like you watch another one, let me know. Because I will watch it and we could do another one of these. Okay. All right. Sounds good. It's fun when you find something that's not like a by-the-numbers conventional movie. Because you can yeah. actually have like a real conversation. And it's not ultra mainstream. It is. I know it is like in the critic, the film critic circles. Yeah. But it's not something I even knew existed. I don't even think there's so, a, there's not even a lot of stuff on YouTube about Stalker, actually. No, there. I, I looked like for film interviews and stuff. There's like one or two interviews with uh, the director and a couple breakdowns of the film. Yeah. Like the one you sent me, and I think there was one more. Yeah, there, there was. I mean, there's a few of them, like you know, Stalker and the Search for God, and I think there was a few. Yeah. Of those. they're probably very interesting. I didn't, I didn't watch them because I didn't want to taint myself too much. When yeah. I, when I come to these, I kind of look for videos that are more about like the context surrounding the production and stuff. That's where I try to get that information. But uh, yeah, this is a great time, great conversation, Dan. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank and, uh, you for having me. Thanks again to Lumazuma for uh, recommending that we check this movie out and uh, talk about it because it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed. Yeah, dude. Soccer. Seriously, thank you, man. Thank you for uh, getting. Like that was a random thing, wasn't it? Like he just it was randomly. Very, yeah, it was a real random pull. Although, yeah, well, we're, thank you. you know? We talk about these kind of ideas. This is yeah, the kind of thing that kind of permeates sure a lot of our conversations. Him. Make sure you tag him. You put hashtag thanks Lumazuma. Oh, I definitely just will. so he knows because. We appreciate we didn't mention you in the beginning. Yeah, we did. This. Oh, I did. Did we? Hmm? This one? I yes. think we I think we forgot because we had to, you know. Well, if we I had, didn't. We had, we had a, Tarko a Tarkovsky moment. Yeah. I boomered. You <laughs> I boomered, boomered something. So we talked for five minutes, and I was like, shit, Dan, there's no audio on your side. But, yeah, uh, anyways, it's all good. Anyways, thank you for joining, everybody. A bunch of links in the description. Check those out. Leave a comment. What do you think about Stalker? Are you a mouth-breathing normie like the guy we just watched? Or are you like Sinius? Are you enlightened people like Dan and I? Also, share this with your friends who are maybe fans of the film or critics of the film. or Yeah, because I'd love know, to get some feedback. Yeah, yeah, like let us know. Dude, make some video responses maybe. Shit on our take. Love our take. Steal our takes. It's all, it's all up for uh, whatever you need. It's all part and parcel on the wonderful world of YouTube. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Goodbye.